Good evening, gentlemen. Tonight is going to be a little bit different than what we normally do. And the reason I say that is because we're not going to talk politics tonight. We're going to start a new segment tonight that we call The Break Room. And what we decided, as we just kind of stumbled over it last night, we thought, okay, we're going to have to come up with a new topic, and we don't want to talk politics. We want to take a break because, Marty, you're always saying... We need to step back. We need to chill out. We need, we need to just get off of that subject for a while and talk about something else. And what better way to talk about something like that than a segment called The Break Room, which Bruce so humbly came up with. I think it was just on accident. He kind of tripped over the term and it just fit. So this is what um, this is what we're going to do. We're going to try and do one, one of these, one a week, one every other week, something like that, whenever we get to it, uh, whenever we feel like we need a break. And we've been doing some other variety stuff on the side. You know, Marty wanted to do the uh, the comedy stuff with like Room 101. Fantastic idea. That's been great. But uh, last night when we were talking with GP offline, we thought, OK, let's let's sit down and let's have a conversation about gaming. Now, I know that sounds kind of childish, but I mean, they've been around for a while. Now, hear me out. They've been around for a while. And so uh, we want to sit down and we want to talk about how things have changed. All of us have played games over the years. I was brought up on a Nintendo, or, well, an Atari and then a Nintendo and then so on and so forth. You know, you go up through the console generations and everything. And then, of course, now everything's on PC pretty much. That's where all the, the gaming stuff is. And uh, everything's changed into like, you know, mobile games and, and tablet games and, and all kinds of stuff. So uh, I thought that since we don't want to talk about politics today, let's talk about gaming. Let's talk about all of our experiences on it, because let's be real. All of us have played games together, and we've had a great time doing that over the years. So let's go ahead and let's step into the break room. So where would you like to start? Where, where would you like to start? What, what would you like to get into? Where would I like to start? I enjoy games that enrich the individual that's playing them. Someone who would, again, the type of game where you learn something, whether you learn how to solve a problem or learn history or or some other skill. And those sort of games were there, but they seem to be disappearing. Um, I didn't play them myself, but I know people have played the Assassin's Creed games on on consoles and and maybe on on pc as well and um the detail uh as you travel over the rooftops of florence or rome uh and and you learn the history and you learn lots of things about da vinci and so on and so forth i think they're great but just like education, I know we said no politics, but games are being dumbed down as well. And and they seem to be a little bit too, I don't, I don't know, it's, they are designed to be addictive, absolutely designed to be addictive. So I prefer the, if I'm going to be addicted to something, I want to um, learn from it as well. There you go. You know, when I started into uh, into playing games, I mean, it was just something something simple. Uh, I remember it was uh, it was playing uh, uh, what was it uh, Frogger on the Atari console a long time ago, and then of course, as time went on, you had the birth of something called the Commodore sixty four. Right, that was my first PC as in as like PC gaming experience was that leaderboard golf to this day. I love golfing simulators. I love them just because I love to play golf in, in real life. I know Marty, it's a snob sport and all that stuff. I get it, but <laughs> I, yeah, I, I like to play golf. Uh, it's just, just the way that it is. But, um, uh, you know, it, it just kind of 
it kind of progressed from there as as time went on and and things just started to to progress and technology started to move along. It, it got to be more of I want to say almost a hobby is is what it became. But you kind of transitioned into like the Nintendo consoles and then you went into uh, Super Nintendos and Sega Genesis and and all that stuff and then of course things really changed when all like the PlayStation and everything came along. That was something that was that was quite um, quite a step up. But when Windows ninety five hit, then it became really interesting. You ended up having uh, a game that would boot off of MS DOS called Wolfenstein. I'm sure everyone knows Wolfenstein, right? The original. Yeah, you go around the castle Wolfenstein and you hunt Nazis and all that stuff. But um, <laughs> that that was the original first person shooter, wasn't it? I mean, I think we can all kind of get in on that. I mean, that game kind of set the tone for what would later become uh, the first person shooter genre, like Call of Duty and Rainbow Six, you know, Tom Clancy franchises that later transitioned from novels and things and movies into video games. And it's just been a slow progression into that stuff. But, um, it's always been one of those things. I mean, now, now you look at it and we play in these massive open worlds like uh, Bruce and I, in particular, we like to play a game called Arma. I think, Marty, I even grabbed uh, Brian, you you also play um, Arma with us as well. And Marty, I think I even I even bought you a copy of Arma and you have you, yet. You did. It's, it's loaded onto, onto the PC. I have yet to have a game of it. Um, yeah, my my apologies for that. Um, um, I've got recent new colleagues who are also playing armor so i think it's a it's going to be only a matter of time before i'm doing it as well fascinating um, game yeah i was looking so forward to playing the first person shoot 'em ups like call of duty because i was at home on leave in the uk and i played it on a, a friend's console and thought this is great i've got to get this so i went back to the uae bought myself uh, the relevant console bought the game, and then I realized just how slow the internet was in the Middle East. And I, I, <laughs> I was Look on the bright side. Look on the bright side. Now, think long term. If you hadn't done that, you wouldn't be sitting here podcasting about it now, would you? Well, no, because I, I wouldn't have met you. Uh, and I believe you heard me shouting and screaming really, really angrily. <laughs> yeah, I, thought it, I thought it was funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, we used to. I got to the point where I started to enjoy it, and and uh, and baiting the other side in the lobby before the game started was a, was a lot of fun. It's how I learned to swear in so many different languages. I had a bit of a head start, but um, being able to insult someone in his own language is, is very important when playing first person shooter maps. <laughs> you have that to is. win if you if you haven't got the ping, you have to win the head game. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and that's 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 where I found myself, you know. <laughs> and yeah, I, I enjoy them. I still play them now, even though I'm back in the UK. But I'm still really, really surprised. Some people must have, you know, wherever that magic box known as the internet is caught. Is, is kept they must have their uh, ethernet cables plugged straight into it because um yeah i still suffer from latency mm. uh, even here in the uk so that's uh, still fun that's still fun to do let's give the other two a chance to to describe their experiences before we monopolize all of the time so i got into video games uh pretty early uh my parents were gamers and they, they started on things like pinball machines and you know the old arcade games like that uh then it, they w went on to like the atari and th that sort of thing but uh I, I grew up with the super nintendo um i remember playing uh like 
Super Mario and some of the, you know, some of those classics on on there. I had a few others that were like UN Squadron. You'd fly around as different planes and, you know, it was a side scroller kind of a thing. And then just advancing from there, I went from Super Nintendo to PlayStation. And uh, I think PlayStation 3 was the last console I had. But I've always been a PC gamer at the same time, right? I'm one of the ones that, uh, you know, PC Master Race, yeah, yeah, rah, rah, whatever. But I always I've played console as well and I'm one of those types that I prefer PC but you know the, the, there's this online kind of battle between console and PC and how PC is better I really don't care if you enjoy the game and whatever con- whatever medium you play it on have fun you know enjoy it but now uh you know more or less first person shooters that's that's really what I like I, I play some other I I do like the historical ones there's been quite a few games in the past that I've learned uh, some things, some facts, and you know, talking to people, and they're like, "Where did you learn that video game?" So you know that that's uh, that actually takes up a, a good portion of my free time uh, is playing video games. And surprise, surprise, I actually like uh, Minecraft as well. Um, I know people will um, modded Minecraft. Uh, modded, yes, heavily, heavily. There's a modded big, Minecraft. there's a big difference there. There, there is. Um, Excuse me a moment while I just laugh and point. Yes. That's yes, only exactly. because you've never tried it. That's only because I've you've never, never tried it. I've seen people play it and I just couldn't get my head around what was happening. Um, it It's very popular and um, it's making people use their imagination, isn't it? And that's an important thing. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm all for that. As you know, sorry, Brian, I'm interrupting your bit. But as you no, know, I, I actually run live action role play game systems. So I have to write an awful lot of stuff, uh, background, character information, and the scenarios in which people will live out their um, their imagination, their, their, their best imagined life. So I'm, I'm all for that. Um, there is something I, I wanted to, to talk about, but we'll, we'll do that in a bit. And that's the strategy game. But Brian, what, what did you start playing with first? Obviously, I haven't. Um, I'm the youngest person here. I believe I'm only 24. So I obviously I haven't played all the classics. What are you trying like to say? You guys have. What, what are you trying to say? Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, you're never old. You're you will always be young, man. You you you're old whenever you <laughs> hey, want to. Hey, I don't care how old you are. You you make us all sound fantastic. So I don't I don't care how old you are. <laughs> um, I believe I started playing around 2003. 2004 that's when i got my first console which was the xbox with it i think i did start with um i also have a playstation for some reason my father was also a huge gamer so we have a lot of fun times together i i played everything i i my, my favorite game that i played uh was definitely halo combat evolved uh, i think it was one of the during the time the greatest game in the market uh, first person shooter aliens I mean, when you're as young as me, it doesn't get better, right? Also, then I, I started liking what really got me into history and such was actually the Medal of Honor franchise. I really did enjoy them. I remember the first time, I don't remember which one it was, but uh, the most fascinating one was when you, when you storm uh, Normandy with the boats and you get hit with these heavy machine guns. And for me, it was, uh, front line it was on PlayStation Two, I believe. <laughs> yes, that was one of the greatest, funnest experience when I was young. My mom didn't let me play, but my dad was really cool, <laughs> as it always is. Um, and it's it's amazing to see how we go from a game like Medal of Honor, 
to today's game. I think Medal of Honor has a huge role in what, you know, what the shooter genre is today, especially um, historical accuracy. I think that game was brilliant when it came to that. I've learned a lot of um, a lot of stuff because of that day because it had me really interested. Uh, when I when I grew grew older, obviously, uh, when I was six years old, it's not like I I'm reading huge books about history and so. But you know, as I got older, I started replaying all those games, and it, it, it's like a diamond when it comes to video games. Uh, I don't know what else today. Um, I think I'm, I, I think I'm the same person when it comes to gaming as I was before. Uh, first person shooter. I love history. Um, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna play a game, you know that involves history as um, medieval or a war, I, I like them to be historically accurate, uh, such as you know the older battlefields and Call of Duties, as well as Medal of Honor. Yeah, that that historical accuracy. I think it's it is it is really important in the game. And although Halo was you know such a what's the word i'm looking for it, it groundbreaking was, yeah groundbreaking that's thank you johnny you rescued me there but in the other games that have come since halo you've still got people's desire to halo jump so when you're a, a 1942 british infantryman you don't expect the germans to come jumping in from eight feet, but they still can in these games in the way that people have developed them. You still get, oh, you halo jumping B being shouted over the over the comms because the game developers have incorporated unrealistic things in, in into the what should be an historically accurate game. Now, kids today probably don't want it. They don't they they, they don't want the historical accuracy. They want the game to be as dynamic and as fun and they want to do all these cool things but for me it's sporty a bit and yeah i like to play historically accurate strategy games you've got the total war series um on pc and uh i couldn't i was so pleased when a tv program came on called time commanders and they were teams of people and when this the game engine was first developed for uh that turned into the total war series um you'd have teams of people playing against each other with historical battles and they'd be you know directing their platoons or or groups of warriors or squadrons of cavalry all over the battlefield and it was historically accurate it was it was a history program it was a history lesson in it, lesson in itself and i like to play those sort of games because of what you learn from them, as well as learning the history of the battle and, and the different ways you, you can employ the different types of soldier, warrior, whatever you want to call them. It's also how to keep the the money rolling in, those that that side of it as well. Your your infrastructure and, and, and everything, that's a really complex game. I enjoy a, a first-person shooter, but my default setting is is one of those strategy games. You like the management and uh, of those more so than the first-person shooters. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I also do tabletop wargaming, and it's ridiculous. Even at sort of platoon level, four or five vehicles and about fifty men on each side. Each turn can take half an hour to play mm. um, between two people. If they could write 
a computer program, you know, a, a game engine that could do that sort of stuff. Because I've, I've got vehicles and, and figures from First World War, Second World War, Vietnam War, and I've got a large gaming table and lots of scenery and you can set it up differently, but it just takes so long. And this is the beauty of a computer game, but no one's writing games for sad old men like me. They're, they're writing the, the games for the, the youth of today because that's where they think the biggest market is. So um, I'm, I'm just going to have to learn code and write it myself, I think. You actually segued into to a topic that's kind of... Uh... I don't know. It's kind of a problem to me. Uh, it, it's something that really bugs me is that uh, the games back in the day, uh, you know, the like, for example, Halo. Halo was revolutionary for its time. I mean, it was a gem for, for its time period, right? And going back and playing it, it doesn't hold up graphically. But some of the things, the, the trends, the, the uh, elements that they created in that game have other games have copied, right? There, there's things in there that what what really bugs me about games nowadays, though, they're no longer trying to push the envelope. They they have this. We'll pull out MMOs for example. This one's a really easy example. Um, World of Warcraft, right? World of Warcraft took elements from Ultima Online and well, what's the other one? There's another one. EverQuest is it EverQuest? I think it was EverQuest. Anyways, they, it, it took elements from other games that preexisted, took good stuff out of those, and created its own world. You know, World of Warcraft is kind of based upon uh, the Warhammer series, uh, the classic Warhammer, not the 40K. StarCraft is based off of 40K. Um, but they they took that. And now any other MMO that comes out tries to copy WoW. They try to create their own universe, but copy WoW. So when you get into the mechanics and how th the thing works, they might be able to tell a good story. You know, you might be able to be pulled into the story. But once you finish the story and you're, you're coming to the end game stuff, the stuff that you're going to have to do over and over and over again, it's just a carbon copy of whatever the previous game was. Like, for example, WoW, we, we run into the same thing with Call of Duties, Battlefields, those types of games. They all mimic each other. They're the same formula, it's just a reskin of the whole thing. There's nothing that's really pushing the envelope. That, to me, it's just become an industry. It's no longer a bunch of nerds getting together, coding something, a passion. Back in the day, you, you had games like um, the Command & Conquer series, right? Fantastic RTS game series for its time. Well, nothing really pushes the envelope like those games did back in the past. They're not really trying to push for new things, new... I mean, they they do some kind of a gimmick. Like I remember Battlefield doing, um, it had a gimmick of levolution, as they called it, to where the level would change over time and, you know, as the game would progress. Not really revolutionary. It's literally the same mechanics and you just threw in, oh, there's a dust storm or or the, the map, you know, building blows up or something. I mean, it, it it's cool the first time or the second time, but uh, it doesn't really change anything. So that's kind of my gripe is we're, we're seeing more games pushing the envelope as in they're going to okay they're not pushing the envelope they're going more towards corporate they're going more towards what can we do to get you emotionally engaged to the game addicted so we can pull as much money out of you as we can kick you to the curb and pull out the next game and get you to spend more money on it that's kind of what the trend is nowadays yeah I, I totally get what you're saying. It's it's not just computer games, obviously, that follow this format. Most things, once they find something that works and sells, they sell it over and over and over again. And if Call the only duty. way they've got... 
Well, yeah, if the, if the only way they've got of selling it again is just to put new skins on everything, that's exactly what they'll do. Uh, it, it, so it, it just reminded me that there's people in the UK of, of a certain age who will remember this. Status quo, it was that they, they were sort of a heavy metal band uh, of their day. They were definitely a rock band, but every single status quo song sounds exactly the same because they found something that people liked, so they just kept doing it. And I can't remember the last time I listened to a status quo song because, you know, once you've heard one, you've heard them all. And it's the same with these games. Once you've played one, you've played them all. I was so grateful to you, Johnny, for telling me on the last Call of Duty not to buy the full edition because the gameplay doesn't change. No matter how much you spend on the game, all that changes is the avatar and what and what it looks like. So and it's big money. Yeah, Yeah, it's big money. It's corporations. I mean, if you look at like Activision, I mean, that's the same company now. You referenced them, Bruce. It's the same company that makes World of Warcraft and all these other things. You know, uh, Starcraft, Hearthstone's another one. That's a it's a card game that's out there. Great game and all. It's free to play, but they get you with all these microtransactions. That's another gripe I've got with games is microtransactions. I mean, I don't largely game anywhere near as much as what I used to because obviously we're doing other things now and it's takes, you know, precedent. But that's the point of something like today is this is more of a uh, get to know us a different side of us. We're not all politics all the time. And um, I, I think everybody, ourselves included, sometimes you need to take a step back. You need to take a break. You need to have a hobby to get your mind off of pressing events. And and that's precisely what we're doing here today. But because um, uh, the average listener that's listened to us gripe about politics up to this point is probably like, oh, you, you guys are talking about gaming. What's wrong with you guys? You know, there, there's an election being stolen. Well, we're not talking about that today. <laughs> but well, here's an undeniable truth. I've got lots of hobbies. I enjoy hunting, shooting, fishing. I do the live action role play stuff. Um, I'm usually involved with a theatre production of some kind or another. But with the lockdown and the restrictions, the only hobby I've been able to maintain uh, is my Xbox and my PC for gaming. They're the only things that I'm actually. I, I do need to get back out to man cave and do to do a bit more art. Um, I like to draw. I'm not very good at it, but I enjoy it. And occasionally I, I can produce something that um, is worth hanging on the wall. But in all of this time, with all of the lockdown restrictions and everything, I've been able to compute a game. And I, I know people who are suffering with um, Parkinson's disease and, and other forms of, of debilitating chronic illnesses that if they didn't have their computer game to play on their life wouldn't be as rich as as it is you know it'd be worse worse for them so i think that's interesting i I think that's interesting it's it's not honestly and i've always said this and i I don't mean to cut you off i do apologize but i think it's a it's a fantastic way to go on that is and i've i've always lived by this games are only as good as the people you play them with it's always that it's always that the games wouldn't be anywhere near as fun if you didn't have the dialogue between actual people if you didn't have that, then, I mean, yeah, you could probably, you know, some of these single player games out there. But, I mean, who really does that anymore? Unless it's, you know, a mobile game or something. Now, most all games are online. Yes, Bruce, I know. Most all games are online. But think about it. If you were to play Call of Duty 
Well, it wouldn't be very much fun if it wasn't for the multiplayer. That's what they make the money on, and that's what they've they've turned that into a cash cow or a cash cow. Uh, Fortnite. That seems to be the uh, the pinnacle that everybody's playing. I've never played the game. I think it's ridiculous, but uh, that seems to be the game that everybody plays these days, and that seems to be something that they've turned every game into. Kind of like what you alluded to, Bruce, is they take one game, they figure out that it makes money, the big corporations move in, and then all of a sudden, everything turns into that. If you notice, every game now, every big franchise is now doing something that's a ripoff of Fortnite. But is it really Fortnite? Where did Fortnite come from? Fortnite actually wouldn't have even been possible if it wasn't for a game called Arma. The Last Man Standing, the uh, the Battle Royale, as it was called, or the uh, the Hunger Games style thing, or or whatever it is, was originally an, uh, a mod, uh, you know, a, modif- a modified version of the game of Arma, and that's what it was, and and it became popular, and people liked playing it, and so it turned into this um, this massive thing, and now everybody's got you know PUBG and all that stuff. The guy that made uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds is actually Player Unknown. He's an Irish guy, and he uh, he made all that stuff. So uh, and, and again, like all the zombie shooters. Right. You can argue uh, what's it called? You can argue uh, Resident Evil and all of the classic uh, zombie shooter games. OK, fine. But that was more of a um, an RPG style where you were actually the character and you work through the storyline and, and things like that. Uh, that was one thing. But you get into more. Uh, I'm talking about transitioning more into like survival games. Survival games seem to have been a genre that spawned out of Arma. Again, it was a modification. I think if you have companies out there like like Bohemia that make games like Arma, which is a sandbox, it, essentially that's that's what they call it, is a sandbox. Is here's the game, and we're going to open it up, and you guys do whatever you want with it. So we're going to release all of the codes, we're going to release all of the uh, the software and everything that you you can build with, and we're going to let you do it. And so th- I think that right there, if if you look at the genres and you look at the way that other games and other trends have have formed out of stuff like that, then, I mean, if you really want to innovate, if you want to find something that's going to, uh, you know, spur the market in a different direction and get away from all the stuff that we're sitting here complaining about, why wouldn't companies be more in line with something like that? As in create the product, release it, and then say, do whatever you want with it. I think it's, um, it's short-sighted of them not to do that because, it, you know, people will continue to play and use use those game engines to build on and develop and mod and so on and so forth. There was a game developed by Microsoft called Freelancer. I don't know if you've ever played that. It was a space exploration uh, free game. Cell. Free Cell. Yeah, I've played it. No, no, no. Freelancer. Oh, fr- Freelancer. Excuse me. Sorry. New, yeah, new, yeah. new audio equipment. I don't know. I must have missed it. Lost in translation yeah, somewhere. Yeah. You've got new toys. But that was the first time that we were talking over Skype to each other while we played the game. There were chat boxes that you could use to coordinate with other people and do deals and so on. But we got together and we we kind of created our own little clan because Skype could only have three people on at a given time, um, as opposed to TeamSpeak now, which can have quite a few uh, users in the same chat group at the same time. So what we used to do was we'd have one PC set up with someone on Skype in one room with a friend in there with him as well so that you could um, have six people operate at the same time. And we we were basically bullies. It was it was a case of get yourself into a star system, take over, and anybody else, all the newbies floating through just trying to do mining and search for equipment, you'd just destroy them or hold them to ransom or make them give you in-game credits. So um, it, it's, it's a great way to develop gang culture, 
and gang warfare. And <laughs> it is. Uh, but they that was one of the ones, the reason I was talking about it is that was one of the games where they did hand over the game engine and say, do what you want with it. And thousands upon thousands of people created their own servers on which you could play. So once you've got the main client, you could access all these other servers. Some of them were Star Trek, some of them were Star Wars, um, Battlestar Galactica, so on and so forth. And so there would be different ships to go and buy and find and so on and so forth. And it, it was just great. And it, it, But no one was making any money out of it once they'd done that. The people who were running their own servers, it was for their own benefit, their, their own passion um, to, to create something for other people to play in. And, and I thought that that was that that was really rather good, but no one made any money. And that and that's the thing with these big corporations. Once they find, as you say, a cash cow, you know, a formula that works and, and generates income, they're they're just gonna stick with it. Hey, I've taken up enough of you your guys' time. I've got to go. The Great British Bake Off is on and uh, I have to go and watch it and eat cake. So no, you're um, good. You're good. It's been been a real pleasure. Nice to meet you, Brian. I hope we we speak longer uh, the next time. Yeah, buddy. It was a pleasure to meet you. Okay. See you, everyone. Bye-bye. Have a good See night, Marty. Bye. Good night. So we can continue on here. Uh, I uh, Just because I, I, I think it's a fascinating conversation. But um, let's uh, let's talk about something that uh, I think all of us miss. Now, we all used to play Call of Duty, yeah? Oh, yeah, I mean, definitely. Who not hasn't? so much... Yeah, not not so much the new one. I mean, yeah, who hasn't played Call of Duty, right? That's I know a lot of people. I know people that are twice my age that are sitting there playing Call of Duty now. And I think right. to myself, how on earth can you still can, can you still sit there and play that? That's not the same game. That's not the same game as what it used to be. You can't go in like what made that game, as I said, was the multiplayer, the banter, the banter you used to have in those lobbies. That was absolutely epic. How you could sit there and you could bash people in between games. And and of course, after you would get the you know you get the time to kill after um uh, after you would get them in in Modern Warfare Two or Modern Warfare Three, it was just that split second that you would actually hear them on the other end of the line, <laughs> and you could hear the rage. So it's just it's <laughs> not was, there anymore. That was fun. It was hilarious. Yeah. It's just it's not there anymore. It's like all right, yeah, I'm coming after you this round. <laughs> it's just uh-huh. you can't do that now because everybody's so damn offended about everything. You you just can't have that same kind of banter. You'll get banned. You'll get kind of. St- I mean, what what were we talking about a couple of weeks ago, Bruce? Sony's now going to introduce this thing where uh, you're going to be able to record the voice chats you're in in game, and if somebody reports on you and then sends that audio to Sony, your, your account's gone that you've paid money for. So, I mean, no one can say anything to anybody anymore. I mean, do you, do you guys miss the bands, or you miss the old days of COD, the the, uh, the the nostalgia of it all? I do. It, everything's become so politically correct. And the thing you're talking about with Sony is, uh, my understanding is it's going to be active at all times. Like, they're going to be recording it at all times, and it's going to be stored on servers and whatnot. So it's not, it's not even the fact that... Um, they're monitoring or or that they're moderating it which is fine you know you want to moderate it fine there there's there's a line to some of the banter right um the the, the banter we used to do back in cod the just the the fun that we had there it was all i i still have stuff on my steam page right on you on my profile from back when we played call of duty uh, the group i used to run with people i i left my uh wall open to the public so that they could come in and complain about me and my play style and blaming me for being a hacker and all those kind of things. I left it open because I enjoyed that. That was the tears 
of your enemy fuel. I, I enjoyed know? it too until you until you banned me. I didn't appreciate that, but yeah, right, right. <laughs> so, but but that's that's the thing. Nowadays, you, you can't have that banter. You can't have that. I I, I know it, it's technically a you you can call it a a more uncivilized or whatever you want to call it, but. It's just a bunch of dudes going around having fun, right? I mean, that's what it was. And you would occasionally run into the the female player that was just as good as the guys at banter and stuff. So I mean, it was it was in good fun. It wasn't good players too. Like, yeah. So it it wasn't it wasn't anything. I don't know. It's just the way things. It, it everything's so padded room. It's like we have to put a helmet on everybody so we don't you know they don't hurt themselves and it's just how how i don't know man it's just gotten soft and it's so it's frustrating as an old gamer it's like you guys are so thin-skinned nowadays you would not survive in call of duty back in the day i mean it just no i know for a fact if my mother heard me speak the way i spoke to people when i play call of duty <laughs> oh wow man right uh, i would be oh, in so in the mouth. i'd be in so much trouble <laughs> you'd have to make sure that the door was sealed with soundproofing before you play that game yeah yeah yeah. I gotta say that, like, it's it's the things that happen in that game, like all the arguments and fights you've had, kind of builds have built me, like, it's built in my personality nowadays. Like, I don't take it from anyone, you know, because, for example, you have you can have the people, hey, you are a cheater, scumbag, blah blah. You can't convince them that you're not, you know, and that kind of that's kind of good, you know, like learning to handle those kind of things because in real life you're gonna have people like, hey. You're 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 this scumbag. You're racist or whatever, whatever, man. And I think it's important to be able to just move on and like don't bother because I think people today are so soft. You you, you tell them, let's say you just make a weird comment, like something that they don't agree with because their views are different, and just because they don't agree with you, they're gonna tell you you're stupid and whatsoever. And that just leads to massive conflicts. We we start dividing each other, and and I think if everyone would have just played the damn game years back, maybe it wouldn't be so soft today. People just can't let one single word go by. They have to react, and I think that's an issue today. We react too much. Yeah, it's uh, it, uh, it it boils down to you're when you get offended at something somebody said, that's your fault. That's your fault that you're offended at what they said, because you're the one that chose to take offense at the words that they spoke. Right. And in playing those games, you you learned uh, the banter and everything. Not only did you learn how to hold your own, which is important, but you were also able to take a beating from someone else, you know, take those words and not take it personally. Right. It, it was it was. a So, yeah, I, I totally agree. It's a learning experience for the real world. Oh, most definitely. Especially me, you know, I was uh, I was really young back then. I think I I started playing online Call of Duty when I was around thirteen years old. I I played with my class, you know. And you know how, how it is when you're when you're in a pack, you're more aggressive, you know. But you know, once you were alone, you started to realize, Jesus, this is bad. But then because of that, you you start to, okay, you know what? I'm 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 if I'm gonna if I'm gonna do it to others, I need to learn to be become, you know the guy who's everyone's yelling at you know because that's how life is in general today you know you're gonna have media and such jumping on you if, if like let's say you're a celebrity you do one one thing that's controversial and everyone just jump at you and i think it's important to be able to cope with that because it, it's the same thing essentially it's two different worlds one is gaming and one is just 
real life. But, you know, the way you behave is equally uh, the same. Yeah, and the, it, as you said there, it, it's, it's filtered into the real world uh, as far as the it's censoring everybody. They started doing it in the video game world here, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 years ago. I mean, we've always had like the profanity filter option in games with chat, like text chat and whatnot. Uh, but it started filtering into the games and they started censoring stuff. And it, it's more or less, I guess it's kind of about around the same time when they started doing cancel culture and all that kind of stuff. And if you say something inappropriate in a game or whatever, you can get your account banned. Or if you, um, I, I mean, some of the stuff that people were posting on my on my Steam profile, if they would have said that on Twitter and like their boss seen it or something, they'd get fired nowadays, right? I mean, that that's the level of uh, ridiculousness that we're seeing uh, in, in today's world. Uh, but, you know, as far as video games are concerned, I'm I'm seeing a lot of them start going more the political correct route. We'll use Battlefield as an example. Everybody's uh, either you're a Battlefield player or a Call of Duty player, right? That's kind of the, the stereotype that they create. I personally play both, but... Um, Battlefield back in the day, uh, it was all the soldiers were male, right? They were they were male. Uh, you would, uh, I, I think, Vietnam. You had you know black, white. They, they wasn't really pushed, right? In Battlefield Vietnam. Well, then you start getting into the more recent battlefields. Battlefield One, right? Who's on the front cover for? Uh, it's World War One, right? Who's on the front cover? Black dude. They're virtue signaling. Black in World War One historically. They they did fight, but it was they weren't as uh, in society they weren't as high up, if you will, right? They were they were kind of frowned upon a little bit. They didn't really intermingle in in um, units and whatnot. They were kind of split off. The same same kind of thing in World War II. Now I'm not saying that was a great time period, and I'm not saying, but if for historical accuracy, you know, to understand during that time frame, it people did think differently. They did see the world differently. And they, and then the the most recent one was it Battlefield uh, Two or whatever, whatever the the other World War Two version. Uh, it's a female on the front cover. So with Battlefield Two or or you know the the World War Two version, it's a it's a woman on the on the front cover. Now I have no you know don't get me wrong, I don't have any problems with um you know race or gender or any of that stuff. My problem is is historically speaking. Women didn't fight in World War II. The ones that did were, uh, you know, there was uh, uh, some very few well-known ones. Uh, the the Russian sniper, I forget what her name is, but uh, she is fairly well-known and famous. But she she had like a kill count of like 200 or something. I mean, it was crazy how she, she did some crazy stuff back then. But it was very few women fought then. And then you get into those games and it's like you, you could make the entire team female if you wanted. I mean, it's just all based on what whatever your choice is when you when you create the game. And I'm all for choice. I'm all for that. But for historical accuracy purposes, doesn't fit. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I actually was thinking about that before I got on here. I, I was preparing myself to what 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 topics can we bring up? And um, as you heard me, as, as I mentioned earlier, um, I, I like, his, you know, historical accurate video games. And that was my issue with the that battlefield was that i mean like we said female most of the females during uh, those wars weren't really soldiers um i can already i'm pretty sure you can correct me if i'm wrong but most of them were mostly like nurses 
probably engineers. But other than that, the the game like if I feel I feel like today's games we're trying to please the media a lot because we be, like they believe that the critic the criticism you receive from media is more important than your your player base. And I think that's a it is becoming a very big issue in video game today because it clo- it narrows down on, on creativity. I don't see why a journalist in his early twenty why he's like why his criticism should be important when like he has he hasn't experienced war. I remember uh, the game. Um, I was talking about this game a few days ago that you went. Uh, was early access, but you just went to finish build in Steam. Uh, it's um, a squad, is it? Squad, yeah. Um, That's they the rele- modern, yeah. Yeah, they released a map, um, the Fallujah, uh, based on, obviously, the battles in Fallujah. And there was this interesting video I was watching about how, it's, how it was received by the critics. The critics apparently bash it. They, they thought that it was controversial, and um, yeah, you sh- they just thought it was a bad thing to have it included. But I, I started looking in the comments because who knows better than the player base? Mm-hmm. As you all know, we 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 have we've played together with uh, veterans, old people uh, that old yeah. people that has relatives, uh, yeah. you know, that have been that been in wars. Not a single one of them thinks that this was a bad idea, and neither do I because I think. This, like, like I'm saying, it's 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 part of history, and it's important for us to because games are like books. You know, you're not gonna complain about a book having dismemberment or whatever tortures, whatever horrible things happen in the war. You're not gonna complain about it. You're not gonna go to the critics and say you should talk about this. This is wrong. No, no, it's, it's historical, historical accuracy. accuracy. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, to your to your point there about um, you know gaming with veterans and stuff. That's true. As a matter of fact, Call of Duty and and Activision actually have something that they a charity that they created called the called the Call of Duty Endowment, and that's where they raise money and they specifically give it to um, veterans of um, of armed combat. And, and these are also uh, veterans that that get together and game in teams and raise money and, and give that money back to veterans organizations as well. So I mean, it's it, it, as you said, it's not um, it it's not relegated to uh just the um how do i put it the, the politically correct of our time uh it's it's relegated to real people that are there as well and they're taking part in all of this stuff and you're right they don't take offense to it they're not the ones that are complaining about it and i think that when you have companies that are out there that's that offer feedback forums and and things of that nature when you you submit tickets to them and you have complaints and you talk to their support staff those people those of us that are satisfied with something or we can live with something we're not going to complain about it a lot we never say anything people never people like us never give reviews largely so the the companies then turn around and listen to all of the complainers everybody that you're talking about, the ones that, that bellyache and that moan about everything. And then companies yeah. automatically take this as, well, this is what people want. So we're, we're not doing this correctly. So we need to go this direction because these are what we're getting the most complaints about. So, And, and I think that that's another reason that games have declined the way that they have. That's a good point of no news is good news. That's kind of a saying we have, at least around here. And, and that kind of translates to video game world, right? So... If you're not hearing any any feedback on your game, that's typically because the people that are enjoying it 
they don't really have anything to complain about, right? I mean, they might have minor gripes and complaints, but they more or less like the game. The ones that, like you said, the ones that go in there and complain about stuff are, um, those are the ones that are listened to. Um, and usually those are the most vocal whiny types anyway. Those are usually the ones that leave quite fun comments on your wall complaining that you're a cheater or something like that. Those are the, those are the fun ones to go against, but get good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, that's, that's basically what it was, boils down to and Oh man, that was so much fun. I, I, I miss those days. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else? No, I think that's uh, the, like the points I had in my head was just, um, I did want to talk about, um, about censorship, but um, maybe another time. Um, go ahead if you I want think, to put a few I mean, minutes. Yeah, if you want to put a few so, minutes in on it, go ahead. Yeah, I've got. I could add some stuff to that too. Well, it's up to you. Um, Here, I'll I'll start off because it, it it kind of. Um, uh, for example, the people that played Call of Duty, right? I think was it Modern Warfare uh, Terminal or was it two? Uh, the the notorious scene in there. It's the airport it, shooting. It, yeah, it was the airport mm. shooting, and you played the the Russians that went in and just laid waste to the airport, right? And it was. Just it, it was meant to be like a terrorist attack kind of its scenario. And that, you segment, civilians. that segment of that game was actually banned here where where I'm at in in uh, in, in many European countries, because games and think about this. Games are classified differently where I'm at. They're not classified like they're classified in the United States and in the UK here. They're classified as games and toys. So it allows them to turn around and, and regulate it much more carefully. Whereas in the United States and in the United Kingdom, and I think Canada as well, they're classified as interactive entertainment. So there's a big mm -hmm. difference here. But yeah, go on. Yeah. And, and another example, there was, God, what was it called? Dead Island or, or something like that. It was a zombie shooter. And it was kind of a, it kind of flew under the radar a little bit. But I remember when that game came out, it was censored in Australia because dismemberment and some of the gore and stuff in the game and Australia censored it and wouldn't allow that level of, of detail, if you will. As you guys kind of mentioned before, in a book or a novel, you wouldn't you wouldn't censor that stuff out. That's silly. You're you're imagining it. Your your imagination can be more vivid than what some of the video games do, right? Some of the uh, the gore that you see there or what have you. So the the censorship that we see of that, I mean nowadays the I, the games that are dark, right? The ones that you start out as the good guys. There was there was one one game I'm thinking of. It's a it's a modern day shooter. Uh, your your soldiers. I forget what it was. It was a few years back, but they kind of pushed the envelope on story. And they went in, and you started out as the good guys, right? You're going in. You're you're doing a rescue op or something like that. Well, things start going south, and the, the, the further you get into the storyline, the darker it gets, the, the darker the decisions are that you have to make. It ends up, when you get done in the end, you're left going, was I the good guy or was I the bad guy in the end? Those kind of games that play with your head like that, not only does it give you an example of what it's like in the real world, because there are real decisions that our soldiers have to make that are very difficult to make, but it's, it's also, you know, it's a, it's a novel. It's a fun experience in, in the sense of it's an entertaining, thought-provoking, that kind of thing. And when you censor that, it stops people from being able to uh, process that kind of thing or, or, or I don't know, it stifles, it stifles creativity and makes, makes a weak population. I remember, I know exactly what game you're talking about. I actually played it, but I forgot what the name was. Basically, it was, it was like a two-man mission, right, if I'm correct? Yeah, it was something like that. I, I want it was kind of like in the uh, 
Middle East or something. I, yes. I remember it being yeah. kind of deserty and yeah. Yeah, I think they they also. I remember they had some um, what we, people would consider harsh um, footage of um, civilians um, being, you know, dead in the streets and so whatsoever. Um, I think those kind of games are really important to have. Uh, censorship is really important, but I think that we are being way too careful that than we should be. All right, fellas. Unfortunately, we are out of time today, so we are going to have to end it there. But I want to thank all of you for sitting down and actually taking a step away from politics for a day. So I, honestly, it's it's been absolutely refreshing to sit down and talk about something other than politics. And for you, the listener out there, I know that this is a bit strange, but um, we need to take a step back for a day uh, and just just kind of reassess uh, and talk about something else. Though we love it uh, that we have these conversations, uh, and it's a it's a pleasure that all of you listen to every day as much as you do, and we we appreciate that very much. Uh, but rest assured, tomorrow we will be back with our usual political uh, banter, if you will. So Bruce, Marty, and Brian, thank you guys for your time tonight. 